welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Nigel Desmond. So I, I just thought I'd share with you guys a couple of thoughts that I've been having on worship. And, um, you know, the, the amazing thing is, is that worship is, I believe, it's something that God has woven into us. That, that worship, if we don't express it, um, in in one way, it's going to come out in uh, in another way. It's but like you know, I, I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's just about to sneeze and they decide to hold their nose to try and prevent you know the sneeze coming out their nose. It's going to come out somewhere, you know, and uh, you know you 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 it'll burst out somewhere. Sometimes it's better just to find the right way to do something. Uh, I was saying this morning the desire when you are connected and you are uh, in love is to begin to bring offerings and to begin to bring some uh, to, to share. And I, I shared the story how uh, when Debbie and I, um, when I first met her, before we started dating, um, I, I fell for her pretty quickly, to be honest, um, you know, pretty much instantaneously. And uh, so after about a month of, just seeing each other and getting to know one another, I decided it was now time to um, ask her to go out with me. And uh, I've told you guys the story of how I tricked her into going out with me. But the the very next uh, day after we'd had this conversation um, about how I liked her and she liked uh, she liked me, um, and you know which which for me was a declaration of we're now going out, but. Unfortunately, she didn't get that memo. Um, she she actually expected me to say, "Will you go out with me?" Um, which I just uh, thought was redundant. Um, you know, if she liked me and I liked her, well, obviously we were going out. But she actually felt that this was necessary, and um, w- well, it worked out because she was not ready to take that step. Um, and if I'd asked, "Will you go out with me?" she would have said no. And that probably would have just um, cooled me off because I, at that stage, my, my insecurities would have killed the relationship. But anyway, I thought, you know, the, I thought that obviously seeing as we both liked each other, we were now going out. So the next morning, I, um, I arranged for some gifts to arrive. So the first thing was she got called down from her room to the reception of the residence that she was staying in. And there was a bunch of flowers waiting for her. And she was you know, very happy with us, went back to her, went back to her room and uh, she just got up to her room and she got called down again. And there was a vase in which to put the, uh, the flowers and a very pretty vase. And she was very pleased with us, went back up to her room and literally she'd been up there for a couple of, uh, a couple of seconds and she gets called down again. And there's a box of chocolates wa- uh, waiting for her. And still remember they were after eights. And uh, she comes down. Now she's really getting happy. And she just got up. And there was a fourth gift that she was co- uh, called down for. And uh, I, I'm trying. To, and that was a book, um, a, a Christian book, Mr. God, This is Anna. And, uh, you know, so she was very happy with us. She just got up and she got called down to reception. And, of course, there's me. The obvious, uh, you know, the obvious conclusion she was meant to draw was that she got four gifts and then the biggest gift of all um and so uh, we i went up to her and she's now very happy and she's like oh this is so sweet what is this for and i was like 
you know, well, you know, now that we're going out, I wanted to spoil you. And baby went, we're going out. And I, she, she just decided to go with it um, because she felt like after receiving four such nice gifts, it was probably a bad moment to break my heart or break up with me. So she went out with me and that's kind of how we, uh, you know, the rest is history as they, as they might say. But the amazing thing was that from that first moment um, when I realized that I was building some kind of connection and I, I loved her, uh, that I loved her, that I began to bring offerings. And, you know, it's interesting in the Bible, in Genesis chapter four, verse three, we see the, the instinct to worship is so deeply rooted in man that we see the first time man brings an offering, Cain and Abel. And um, I'm going to read the, the passage to you. Genesis 4 verse 3 says this. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and he, on his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And it's incredible. Right from the beginning, there's this instinct to worship. And the interesting thing is that the instinct to worship, when it is first expressed, was immediately linked with the concept of sacrifice. And um, in fact, when we, when we think about worship right the way through the course of the, uh, the Old Testament, worship to God was always linked with uh, with sacrifice and um it, it developed in in the old testament to a very um elaborate system of sacrifice in the temple where they would bring bulls and lambs and rams and grain offerings and birds etc and each had its purpose but there was always this element of bringing to the uh, the lord some uh, some kind of sacrifice and of course that all pointed forward to the cross it pointed forward to the cross to, to when Jesus would come as the lamb, uh, the lamb who takes uh, the, the perfect sacrifice, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And, you know, the interesting thing is, um, if you go back to that first passage, we see Cain and, uh, and Abel, and Cain's sacrifice was not pleasing to the Lord, but Abel's was. And, and you know, we, we have very little um, to, uh, to actually understand why, except that in the book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, we hear that Cain's offering was pleasing to the Lord because he brought it with faith. He brought it with faith uh, uh, to the Lord. And this is amazing because how did he get that faith? What, what is the faith that is spoken of there? And it goes back to this. In Genesis chapter 3, just before that, um, you see the first sacrifice made. And the first sacrifice that is made is made by God himself. And so what, happen, uh, what happens is just after man uh, has fallen, um, he tries to cover himself with, uh, with plants. Um, with, uh, he says it's a covering uh, of fig leaves. I mean, you know, there have been many artists' uh, renditions of, uh, of, uh, of Adam and Eve dressed in fig leaf suits. And uh, I must admit, I know I would feel slightly uncomfortable um, walking around uh, dressed in, uh, in a fig leaf uh, suit. But when the Lord comes, he comes and he makes coverings 
for them out of uh, animal skins. Um, and the, the amazing thing about that is before that time, before that time, there had been no death. They'd never seen bloodshed. Think about that. They'd never seen bloodshed. Nothing had ever died because it was a perfect world. But then God comes and because of man's sin, God comes and says, I'm going to cover your sin. But this is how it's going to happen. And you know, the amazing thing is the Bible tells us that Adam had named every single one of the animals. God had brought them to him and, uh, and said, what are you going to name this one? What are you going to name this one? And so he would have seen the lamb. And uh, we, we, we actually don't even know which animal was used um, to, uh, to make covering. But from the pattern of scripture, it would seem likely that God used a lamb. And so here comes God. God brings this lamb before Ad, uh, Adam and Eve. And then there is the sacrifice that happens where this lamb gives its life to cover over, Adam, uh, um, cover over Adam's sin. Now, the amazing thing is, is that then God says, this will cover your sin. So when Cain and Abel come to bring sacrifices be uh, before the Lord, Abel remembers the pattern of the Lord. He remembers that God brought a lamb, he killed a lamb, and the blood was shed. That's what covered over it. But what Cain does, Cain brings some of the fruit of the ground that God, uh, God has blessed. And there's no faith in that. There's no faith in that because he's bringing his own works, what he's worked the uh, ground. And he comes and he says, listen, I'm going to do, uh, do, uh, do it my way. So then later, as this pattern develops, God says, Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And of course, that all pointed towards the cross. And you see it in Romans 3, verse 25. Again, we, fight, we see this pattern brought to ultimate culmination in Jesus, where it says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood to be received by faith. And I just love that because, again, it's God brought Christ. So just like in the garden, Father God brought the lamb and showed Adam, this is what needs to be done. The final culmination is exactly the same, where God presents Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood to be received by faith. And that, that in a sense, it wrapped up Old Testament sacrifice um, as, a, as a form of worship. However, the amazing thing is, is that even though, um, the, even though bloodshedding for sacrifice ended in the Old Testament, the concept of sacrifice being linked to worship continues into the New Testament. This is the most amazing thing. And in, uh, in John 4, verse 23, um, Jesus is having a, a, a chat one day with a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman says, you know, the Jews say we need to sacrifice on that mountain. And, but we sacrifice on this mountain. We worship on this mountain. What, what do you say? And Jesus says this. He says, a time is now coming and has now come when, the, uh, when you will sacrifice neither on that mountain or on this mountain, but you will worship God in spirit and in truth. For these are the kinds of worshipers that the Father is seeking. Now, when I read that verse, the thing that boggles my mind is that father is seeking. 
Father is seeking us. He's seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I want to live a life that attracts the presence of God. Who, who would like that? You know, you want to attract the presence of God uh, uh, into your life? Well, the Bible says that God is looking for something. And what he's looking for is worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, what does that look like? Because, you know, there are certain things in terms of worship that are pleasing to God. So the first one is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. And I want to show you how even though Old Testament worship involved blood sacrifice, sacrifice didn't end, but it changed. So we're going to Hebrews 13, verse 16. And it says this, And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. This is amazing. So we've got New Testament sacrifices that please the Lord. And the New Testament sacrifices that please the Lord are this. Do good and share with others. I'm just going to read that in a different version of Bible. It says, and do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I just, I, I love this concept because, you know, there's something that brings the pleasure of the Lord. And it's having a spirit of generosity, having a spirit of, uh, of generosity. When we decide that we want to share with, uh, with others, when we want to bless others, when we want to do good. I love the, the whole thing of, of doing good. For, for me, the whole concept of doing good is not necessarily just um, good works in a, in, in a sense. You know, for me, it's like whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. So like if you are, uh, uh, if you are like taking a random example, a sheep farmer or a cattle farmer in the Eastern Cape, just a totally random uh, uh, thing. You know what? Do that as un uh, unto the Lord. Understanding that as you raise those sheep, as you raise uh, uh, those uh, cattle, as you send them off to market, that's going to be meat on people's plates. That's going to be food in people's uh, households. That, that, that's going to uh, mean that as you send those uh, things off, you're doing good in the world. You're raising up, you are, you're developing food, making, uh, making families prosper and fe uh, feed themselves. Not only that, but all along the supply, uh, the supply chain, that's jobs for people. And when, when, that, when those jobs happen, that means kids go to school. It means that there's a roof over people's heads. It means that, you know, there's petrol in their cars, et cetera. But whatever we do, we're doing it as uh, unto the Lord. In all our, our jobs, when we are uh, out in the garden, making the world a little bit uh, more beautiful, or just out, in the sh out at the shops, perhaps, and you have a chance just to, you know, say a kind word to someone in the shop, uh, uh, pray for someone, smile at someone, uh, share a joke uh, uh, with someone, make the world a little happier, a little kinder, a little bit more, uh, more beautiful. These things, I believe, just actually please God. When we make it our mission in our day-to-day -day, um, thing to actually say, you know what, with my life, Lord, with my day, this is worship unto you. Why is this important? It's important because I think in our modern church uh, expression, uh, 
our idea of worship of the Lord has, has shrunk a little bit to just music. And don't get me wrong, music is so important. And, you know, worshiping the Lord with songs and words is really important. But often today, when we talk about worship, we just think of that. But this is a form of worship. This is a form of worship when you are just doing good. Doing good, making the world better, teaching, um, doing commerce, whatever it is that you're doing unto the Lord. In fact, my wife went so far this morning as saying, listen, if you're just brushing your teeth, brush your teeth as unto the Lord. Now, that's, I've got to admit, I had to think about that for a while. I'm like, uh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. But I, it does say whatever you do, do as un, uh, unto the Lord. And, you know, it's, it's really that positioning of our heart to be generous with our lives and to share with our lives. So that's the first concept that I want to sh uh, share is that sacrifice hasn't ended. It's just changed in the new uh, in the New Testament. Here, another, another one, Psalm 50, uh, 51, verse 17. Despite the fact this is in the Old Testament, I think it still has New Testament application. Psalm 51, verse 17 says this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a contrite, uh, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise and you know there's just something about a life that's submitted to god in humility where we recognize oh lord you know it's not all about me i can't do this on my own i uh, debbie and i went for a walk and she was sharing with me she's been listening to um you know chris valentin a teacher on spiritual intelligence and she shared with me how uh, chris was saying one of the signs um, of a renewed spirit, of a renewed mind, is the fact that you get to a place where you're happy with yourself. You're happy with yourself. You're comfortable with yourself. Because he said, ironically, you you begin to realize that God uh, made you with your strengths and your weaknesses, and that it's your weaknesses that qualifies you in the kingdom, because it's like. It, we, we, it, those areas of your uh, your strengths those are probably the areas when you're going to think god i got this i got this it's okay i can handle this one but it's in the areas of your weakness where you go to the lord with humility and say hey lord on this side i'm not so good so the irony is is it's actually our weaknesses that often qualify us for the call of the Lord. I must admit that encouraged me so much when Debbie said that to me. I said, man, in that case, I'm probably one of the most qualified men in the kingdom. This is awesome. And, uh, you know, this is the irony is that in the kingdom, when, when we encounter our uh, shortcomings, our weaknesses, our sin, what the Lord asks of us to do in that is not to cover it up, not to lie about it, not to, uh, not to disappear in, in guilt and shame, but to come before the Lord with humility and ask him to fill, uh, fill those places. So I thought that that is really powerful. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Okay, the next, the next scripture, and I'm going through these um, sacrifice scriptures, is probably the most well-known one. And um, you'll, you'll know it. 
Romans 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. And this is the amazing thing. Which is your spiritual service of worship? And again, here's this picture of worship. And you'll notice it's not songs. It's not singing. Because, you know, when we sing, when we worship uh, either in soaking or uh, we, we're singing uh, our worship, it's actually the singing is not the worship. The singing is the expression of the worship. It's like the songs, the words that we're giving to the Lord. That, that It's that that's bubbling up out of your spirit as an expression of an underlying reality. And that's why often um, worship, singing, etc., can be a real sacrifice in the sense that I don't know if it ever happens to you, but there are often times when I get to worship or when I get to church and the music starts, I don't feel like it. So does that happen to anyone else? Anyone else ever feel like, oh, I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like singing today. I'm not feeling very happy. I'm not feeling very joyful. I'm not feel. I'm actually feeling, uh, maybe I've had a rough week and I'm feeling a little bit grumpy with the Lord. Anyone, is there anyone? I mean, or is there only me, you know? And uh, so sometimes we do, but it's at that moment, because we have surrendered to the Lord, because we have surrendered to the Lord that um, we, we come to the Lord and we bring ourselves to the Lord and we express that in song. We express uh, that in worship. And, you know, I really believe that that is so pleasing to the Lord. It's so pleasing to the Lord when we bring a sacrifice of praise, when we bring a sacrifice of worship. Um, not only that, but uh, for me, um, I... I discovered many years ago that I would find it difficult to make my living singing. It was just this, this shocking revelation that, that I realized that I was never going to be a rock star um, or a singer of any, uh, any sort. Even the most kind-hearted worship teams never invited me to join. Um, my, such was my musical ability. In fact, the only thing I think my singing voice could possibly do I could maybe be hired to chase cockroaches out of a house if I sung loud enough. Pest control. I'm, I'm pest control. <laughs> just, just chase them out. They're like, what is that noise? That maybe is how I could make my living singing. But And so as a result of that, it makes me often in worship shy or reluctant to bring my worship before the Lord. But you know, I believe that when we bring our worship to the Lord with a full heart, and say, Lord, this is the voice you gave me, and I'm going to use it to worship you. I believe that that is so pleasing to the Lord, and it attracts the, pre uh, the presence of God. It attracts him. And um, there's an old story told of an old monk who would sing in, the, in a monastery on, uh, on, New Year, on, on Christmas Day every year. He would get up, and he would sing. Um, uh, uh, hark the herald angels and he'd get up and he'd sing his heart out the problem was he just had a dreadful dreadful voice but he did every year it was 
it was his slot. Brother Joe would get up and he would sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, with, uh, with a full heart. And he'd sit down. And this went on year after year. And everyone just like knew, okay, well, Joe's going to sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Until one year, a new monk joined the, uh, the monastery. And he just had the most beautiful, beautiful voice. And so that year they said, Brother Joe, if you don't mind, we're going to ask Brother Mark to sing this year. And so Joe sat down, a little bit disappointed. This was his slot. But Mark got up and he sang this gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous song. And towards the end of the song, an angel manifested in the monastery. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh. Mark's voice is so beautiful that the angels, he sang Hark the Herald Angel Sing, an angel has literally come to listen to the music. And uh, they, they asked the angels, why are you here? Is it because the music was so beautiful? And the angel said, no, we were really, really concerned because every year we long to hear the sound of, uh, of Joe's song. It is so beautiful to us. And this year, there was no music at all. So we came to see if something had gone wrong. And from heaven's perspective, Mark, uh, obviously the, the, the parable is, I suppose, that the first monk's voice with love and faith and passion was beautiful. Whereas the beauty of the second monk's uh, song was all about him, about his voice. There was no faith. There was little uh, love and little about God uh, in it. And, you know, I, I want to encourage you, your worship, what God's looking for is not the sound of your song, but the yearning and the longing of your heart to connect with him. And so bring whatever you have with a full heart before, uh, before the Lord. The final scripture I want to share with you is from the book of Hebrews uh, 13, verse 15. And this is what it says. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And I, I just, I love this uh, passage of scripture because firstly, it, it's, um, it says, it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, spe it specifically says the fruit of lips. You know, sometimes we actually need to open our mouths to praise the Lord. Um, that that we, we, it's the fruit of lips. But notice it doesn't have to be singing, but singing, can, it can be done by, uh, by singing. Um, but singing is a wonderful way to praise the Lord. But also at the same time, it can just be walking down the road. Sacrifice. Jesus, I praise you. I praise you. And um and the sacrifice often, you know, sometimes when you're going through a really difficult time, it's the time when it is hardest to thank the Lord. In that time, it is such a sweet opportunity and you need to grab it. Because in that moment, when you're going through something difficult and you stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I do not understand, but I will worship you anyway and I will thank you. And I declare that uh, you are good. It's a moment that it's literally, you probably won't have that opportunity in other seasons of your life. And so we come before the Lord and we bring these, these sacrifices 
of thanksgiving and of praise to, uh, to the Lord. And you know what? That attracts the presence of God. Fire falls on sacrifice. When we bring these New Testament sacrifices before the Lord, his fire falls on, uh, on our life. And when that fire uh, falls, um, the, uh, the power and the presence of God is resident on us and in us. 2 Samuel 24, 24 um, David, after he was in the midst of a pandemic, I don't think it was COVID, but there was a pandemic in his nation that was killing um, a, whole, uh, a whole lot of people. And he came and he wanted to give a sacrifice to the Lord. The man that he was speaking to said, go, take, take my oxen. You, you can use them. I give them to you. And he comes back and he says, no, no, I won't do that. And this is what he said. I will not give sacrifice. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. This is the thing about our life of worship before the Lord. Um, if we are going to be New Testament worshipers, we don't make the sacrifices that they required in the Old Testament. We have New Testament sacrifices. And in all honesty, our New Testament sacrifices are not smaller, but bigger. Because in the Old Testament, the sacrifice was a lamb or a ram or a thing. The New Testament sacrifice is us. Is us. Where we come and we say, Lord, I am a living sacrifice. I belong to you. I am yours. That is what worship looks like in the New Testament. And so I just, I, I just been meditating on this during the week and thinking, uh, thinking about this. I want to encourage us all to, to take a deeper a deeper dive into worship to become people who say, you know what? I am a worshiper of Jesus and I'm not going to give him um, worship that costs me, uh, costs me nothing. I'm going to choose to live a life of praise and thanksgiving in good times and hard, uh, in hard times. I'm going to be a person who looks for ways in which I can make the world better and do it with all my heart. I'm going to be generous. Generosity, I believe, marks the children of God. That we're called to be ge uh, generous people. We hope you have enjoyed this message from Nigel Desmond. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.